Today on Bob and Yurt Live, we're talking about some issues with Catholicism, some things the Catholics get right specifically concerning beauty. The Notre Dame Cathedral back in 2019 burnt down, absolutely heartbreaking, but now it's facing something even more heartbreaking. The interior faces a woke Disney revamp. We're talking about why that's a terrible idea. All of that and more today on Bob and Yurt Live. Greetings to the brightest audience in the country. I am your host, Dominic Enyar, and I am not a Catholic. That's an interesting sentence to start the show off with, right? I am not a Catholic. I'm a Christian, but I'm not a Catholic. I'm starting the show off by saying that because I want to talk about a few things that Catholics that they get right that I think that Protestants overlook somewhat. But I'm scared of doing that because I don't want the listeners to think that I am a Catholic. So I've got to start off the show with that disclaimer. You know, my brother, actually, my brother, and I've got a lot of those. I have six brothers. I'm the youngest of seven. But that's not proof that we're Catholic. I know Catholics, a lot of the times, they have a lot of kids. And my parents had a lot of kids. But no, we are not Catholic. My brother, and I won't specify which one, and this was many, many years ago, actually dated a Catholic girl, a nice Catholic girl, for a short time. And I think after dating her, he realized just how different we are from Catholics. He stopped dating her pretty quickly, which I think is for the best. But he was talking to her, and she actually tried to convince him to become a Catholic. And he told her, no, I I can't be a Catholic. You guys, you worship Mary, and the Bible teaches us we're only supposed to worship God himself. And, of course, she brushed that off and said, you know, oh, we don't worship Mary. That's absurd. Now, for a moment, let's ignore the fact that they pray the Hail Mary. You know that football term for when a team is so totally desperate and they try something that's just, well, it's just a bad idea that usually it's just not going to work. And you know what? Now that I think about it, that's actually a, uh, it's, it's pretty appropriately named a Hail Mary. But anyways, the Hail Mary, that's a prayer that the Catholics pray. It's called Hail Mary, and somehow they expect us to think that they don't worship Mary, which is pretty funny to me. And to my Catholic friends, I love my Catholic friends. I just think that sometimes they're a bit silly. By the way, the BEL studio, we're pretty darn close to a Catholic church. Actually, if I stand up and I look out my window, I'm moving my microphone here, we're probably about, I'd say, maybe one football field away from a Catholic church real close to us. I drive past it every day. I meet the people there. They're super nice. I'm close friends with some Catholics, but I just don't agree with my Catholic friends. It's wrong to worship Mary and it's or to pray the Hail Mary. I think that's wrong. I'm sorry. It has to be said. But anyways, my brother, he's dating this Catholic girl and says that he can't worship Mary. She says, you know, oh, we don't worship Mary. That's crazy. He goes to church with her and gets a nice leg day workout with all that standing and sitting. And he actually gets split up from her for a little bit. And he finally decides that he's going to start looking around for her in this Catholic church. And he finds her on her hands and knees, almost like a a Muslim. And she's on her hands and knees and bowing and worshiping a statue of Mary. And he said, like, hey, I thought you said you don't you don't worship Mary. And uh, 
you know, anyways, he, he broke it off after that, which is for the best. But my dad, actually, he grew up Catholic and my grandma grew up Catholic. And so we have some Catholic connections, but we're not Catholic ourselves. You know, I remember one time in high school, I was playing hockey for the local public high school and I got into an argument with some of my Catholic friends on the team, actually. It's funny. No other kids ever talked about anything of interest, in my opinion. they All they talked about was sports and school and games and movies and drugs and parties, whatever it was. They, they always talked about the most boring stuff, but I'd always want to talk about religion, so we'd get deep into it, and it was fun. And arguing about purgatory or original sin or whatever it was. It was always so much fun. One time, in fact, my team went to Omaha for a hockey tournament and we got absolutely destroyed, by the way. I didn't think that Omaha was going to be that good at hockey, but they were. But we were in the locker room between periods when the Zamboni was on the ice, cleaning the ice. And I'm arguing with this kid, Toby, about purgatory. He's a Catholic. And I was saying it wasn't real, and he was saying it was, and we were having a good time. All the other kids were, uh, they were all listening to us argue about a religion that they weren't even a part of in the locker room. High intensity, more higher intensity than the game, which I thought was uh, was pretty funny. And, and, and our coach, actually, I rem- remember this now, he walked in on us, and we didn't know that he was in there. And, you know, he's this secular guy, and we're supposed to be... We're down like two to four in the hockey game. We're supposed to be figuring out how to turn our team around and how to win this game of hockey. But we're arguing about purgatory. And he walks in and he's listening to us for maybe two or three minutes. And then he finally, he gets a little bit upset and he's like, hey guys, we're supposed to be figuring out how to win this hockey game, not talking about the deeper issues of life and religion and science or whatever. But he was he was kind of lighthearted about it. But looking back, that was pretty cool that some uh public school kids were able to talk about religion. So that was that was fun stuff. But anyways, when I was talking to this kid Toby, I tell him that Catholics they shouldn't pray to saints. And I always see Catholics praying to saints. And he says that, you know, well we're not praying to them we are praying through them. They're kind of like our mediators to God. And I told him, Toby, there's that verse, for there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Which So there's one mediator and it's Jesus. And yet you're using all these saints as mediators. That's not biblical. That's not how it works. Which um, that's First Timothy chapter two, by the way, if you want to look that up. Actually, I'm I'm getting away from my notes here, which is always dangerous, but it was actually on another hockey trip, coincidentally, that I was with my dad in Minnesota, Bob Enyar. I was with Bob Enyar in Minnesota, and they are very good at hockey, by the way. There's there's a reason for that stereotype, let me tell you. And when we were there, uh, between games, we went to visit a Catholic cathedral, beautiful, and I mean a beautiful cathedral. In the entrance, there were these four double doors to get inside, and the two double doors in the middle, they said the holy doors reserved for members only, and to become a member, it was nineteen ninety nine a month to become a, a member, so you could walk through these the holy doors, and I just couldn't believe it. I thought that was hilarious, but anyway, so I have a lot of 
big issues with Catholics, and I'm not a Catholic, but I want to talk about some things that Catholics get right that I think we usually get wrong. I want to talk about it, um, and specifically beauty. You know, I mentioned this Catholic cathedral in Minnesota and this Catholic church outside my window here that I can see. They are absolutely beautiful. They're actually awesome. I use that word a lot, awesome. I mean it literally in in these cases with these Catholic churches. They are awesome. They inspire awe inside of me. They're massive and grand and beautiful. And they the Catholics, they make these churches because they've realized something that's big and something that's important. They've realized that beauty is important. It's crucial, actually. And I think a lot of the church today misses that. You know, I know Paul writes some of his letters to home churches, which obviously weren't massive cathedrals, and it's definitely not sinful to have church in I don't know, an ugly building or a, you know, a home church or something like that. But Catholics have realized that beauty is important. And you have these massive cathedrals with those giant stained glass windows that are huge and the sun streaking through them and the organ playing. And it really is something else. And it's and it's a very powerful and emotional place to worship God. And when we're worshiping, we have to have that sense of grandeur almost. It's good. It's good to have that that sense of importance and respect because when we're worshiping God, we're not worshiping a mere human. We're not worshiping Mary. We are worshiping the king of the cosmos, the creator of the universe, and he is big, very big, and we should have a severe reverence when worshiping him. I know we have our personal relationship with Christ, right? But that doesn't give us a pass to be lackadaisical about our worship. We don't have a personal relationship with God in the same sense that we have a personal relationship with our friends, right? He's not my buddy Jesus. You'll have my buddy Trevor, but it's not like that with Christ. He is the king of the universe, and we need to treat our relationship with him like it's a serious thing, not a casual friendship. I mean, we become familiar with him, and he is our friend. He traveled with the disciples as a teacher, and I'm sure that they became familiar with him. But we need to remain reverent in our worship and having beautiful cathedrals to worship in. You know, I don't think it's a requirement, right? I'm not a legalist. But my gut tells me the more respectful we are in our worship, the better. And, you know, beauty, beauty also, it's a human need, right? I've never read this study, so take this with a grain of salt, but I've heard it secondhand probably throughout my life, maybe 10 different times, I heard a study they did with newborns where they gave them all the nutrition that they need, right? Food, warmth, light, shelter, clothing, changing diapers, whatever it is, physical needs, they gave them everything that they needed. But they didn't have their mothers or anyone else around after birth, no loving care, just practical care, right? 
And I've heard this from several different people. Apparently, all the kids in that study, tragically, they died. Like I said, I haven't looked into that study. I don't know the validity of it. So take it with a grain of salt. But to me, that seems intuitively like, you know, I, w I would believe it, right? Because our bodies, they're more than just the physical. We have our souls and our souls need to be fed as well as our bodies, right? The bread of life. So love, for example, I believe is a basic human need. And maybe if you're an atheist without friends or family and you don't have any love in your life, you're not going to die in 30 minutes or something. But I think it you'll become unhealthy because I believe that love is a basic human need. Likewise, so is beauty. You know, my father and predecessor, Bob Enyart, he had a theory that when we're looking at pretty things, say we're looking at a mountain stream, we like looking at it. And his theory was that with pretty things, the photons that say with this mountain stream, they bounce off of the water and then the photons, they hit your eyes. And his theory was that the, these photons literally will massage our eyes. And that's one reason that we like looking at pretty things, because God designed pretty things to massage your eyes. I don't think he ever you know, gave that theory on the radio, but he told me that. And, and maybe I'll talk with Fred Williams about that, and maybe he can mention it on RSR. He would be <laughs> more qualified than me. But yeah, beauty, we need it. And the Catholics are right about that. That's one thing that they get right, is that they put such an emphasis on beauty. And I think that we should follow in their example in, in that regard. You know, you don't want to turn beauty into an idol that you worship. And I'm sure that's a trap that some of them fall into sometimes. But, you know, beauty is important. And the Catholics, like a broken clock, they're right twice a day, right? By the way, there's that saying, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. I don't fully agree with that saying. I, I don't think beauty is fully subjective. I mean, in the order in which you rate pretty things, sure. Some people might like watching a sunset more than looking at a pretty river, and others might be the opposite. And so in that sense, sure. But I think if some people find something pretty, sometimes <laughs> like they're just wrong. So not to be crude, but say a horse defecates and someone looks at that and says, you know, that is more pretty than a beautiful woman. I don't think that's just their opinion. I, they're, they're wrong. They're just wrong. Plain and simple. I'm sorry. That is not beautiful. And, you know, my cousin actually has a theory and he's been on the show before and he's said that out of all God's creation, the woman is the most beautiful of everything that he created. And I, I buy into that theory. I believe that's true. So I think that if there's some gay guy who says, you know, horse defecation is more beautiful than women are, I think that he's wrong. That's not beauty being in the eye of the beholder. That's, well, it's incorrect. And he's a nut job. Uh, you know, people asked me, if I'd be as homophobic as my dad on the radio, I had easily 5,000 people, atheists, liberals, whatever, send me messages after my dad died, making fun of him for being homophobic, which is odd, like phobic, that word, an irrational fear. Like, 
No, he wasn't afraid of them. That's a, a weird thing to say. We don't fear man. We fear God. But yeah, sure. I'm, I'm homophobic. Sure. But like 5,000 of these messages saying not to be homophobic or asking me if I'm going to be homophobic or, or whatever. And uh, well, here I am on the radio saying that they're nut jobs. So I guess there's your answer. Anyways, to disagree with the left, perverts are not beautiful. And very often they are wrong about what is beautiful. But so beauty, there's a story in from the Telegraph about Notre Dame that's actually the main story I want to get to. We're talking about beauty. I want to see how much time do we have left? We've got about, uh, what does that say? About 13 minutes left. Okay, that's more than enough time. Great. I want to talk about this from The Telegraph. This headline, it's pretty sad. Exclusive Notre Dame interior faces woke Disney revamp. If you remember, the Notre Dame Cathedral burnt down a few years back, I think 2019. Absolutely heartbreaking. We're talking about beautiful things, uh, beauty in the world. It's being destroyed. You know, we've got all these feminists being absolutely disgusting. They're so gross, and it's sad that they're destroying beauty. A lot of them are trannies trying to pretend that they are men, destroying much of their beauty. Or even if they're not trannies, they dress up super weird. They all have that same gross, short, blue hair look. You know the one with the nose ring. And they're doing their best to destroy their God-given beauty. The left, they have their war on love, their war on language, their war on sanity, their war on reality itself. But it's also a war on beauty. And so whenever there's a story like this where something beautiful is taken away, it's really it's sad to me. And it's a victory for the left. So Notre Dame burnt down and they're trying to build it back. By the way, when Notre Dame burnt down, the main cross in the cathedral there, it survived the fire, which is really cool. There's a really cool picture of that. I'll post that on kgov.com in the show summary today. And I'm not superstitious. I don't think God did a miracle to keep the cross there. I mean, maybe he did, but I don't I don't think so. But that said, there is some poetic beauty in that even. When the world is a disaster and everything is on fire, right in the middle of it all, there is the cross. And so, yeah, it's cool. Moving away from cool, though, into sad, uh, this headline. Actually, before I want to talk about that, it is our telethon month. Today is the last day of the telethon month. We are looking for 20 new monthly donors to help sponsor one show every month. Today's show is sponsored by David H. David, thank you so much for helping keep us on air. It is really such a blessing to be able to do this show, and you're doing so much to help keep us on air and to promote Bob's vast library of biblical teachings, for which we are so unbelievably thankful. And I'm thankful that you let me sit in this chair and enjoy your company and enjoy the company of so many thousands of others in our brightest audience. By the way, we do have the brightest audience in the country. A lot of you guys will message me, especially on social medias. You can follow me on Twitter, at Dominic Enyart, by the way. But you guys will message me, and you say the smartest things. And I feel like this is one of the few shows where pretty much just any member of our audience could do the show because... 
we really do have the brightest audience in the country, and it is such an honor to get to speak with you. But our November 2021 telethon, we're basically at the end. We usually set a dollar goal like 30 or 40,000, but this time we've been looking for 20 new monthly donors who will sponsor one show every month. Being on the air isn't cheap. We run about 20 broadcasts a month. And it costs us about $150 per show. We operate on such a shoestring budget. So in the past, we've relied heavily on those large donations and big dollar telethons. You know, we don't have a giant mega church behind us backing us up. It's just you, me, and my grandma here in the studio. And, you know, we don't have a whole ton of security. That makes promoting Bob's teachings and his library a daunting task. So if you and just 19 others can help us guarantee that the show goes on, Bob's biblically-centered teachings will go out to thousands more. Right now, it's the end of the month, and we have eight people who've signed up to sponsor one show a month, and what a blessing that is. It is unreal that eight of you guys have given us uh, some security to help us keep going. We've also had 80 different one-time shows sponsored by you guys in the audience. You know, things are still a little shaky, but you guys have given us some security. And for that, I'm unbelievably grateful. Thank you so much. But if you guys want to give us some long-term security, go to kgov.com, kgov.com, and click the telethon banner or click the sponsor a show button. We would be so unbelievably thankful. The ministries of so many godly leaders, authors, and preachers have been magnified tenfold or even a hundredfold after their passing. I think of C.S. Lewis or Billy Graham and how they still today have such a massive impact on millions. We have no doubt Bob could have a similar impact, and your sponsorship of just one show a month would be such a tremendous force to magnify this ministry and the gospel. So if you can help sponsor just one show a month or one show one time or three shows a month, whatever it is you can do, half a show one time, whatever it is, we would be so unbelievably thankful. But so now this headline from The Telegraph, super sad, exclusive, Notre Dame interior faces woke Disney revamp. Reading from The Telegraph, Paris's fire-ravaged Notre Dame cathedral risks resembling a, quote, politically correct Disneyland, unquote, under controversial plans for its renovation. Critics have warned that the world-famous cathedral will be turned into a, quote, experimental showroom, unquote, under plans to dramatically change the inside of the medieval building. The article, it goes on to talk about how the proposed changes will remove confessional boxes, which I don't fully oppose, altars, classical sculptures, and they will be replaced with modern art murals and new sound and light effects to create, you know, these, uh, they call them emotional spaces. There's going to be what they call a discovery trail with an emphasis on Africa and Asia. And the final stop on the discovery trail will have a strong environmental emphasis. So you know how churches, they're supposed to be focused on God and the Bible and scripture and having a relationship with God. That's their main purpose, is to place an emphasis on the Bible and our Lord. Well, not for Woker Dame. I've mentioned several times now, I'm not a Catholic, so it feels weird that I want to defend the identity of a Catholic cathedral. But with the grandeur of a Catholic cathedral, but I don't want to see this place go woke, you know? 
I'd rather a place be traditional Catholic than woke. But uh, with the grandeur of this place, it should be used to glorify God, and now it's being used to glorify wokeism? I mean, it's sick, man. And if we're going to change it at all, we should make it more focused on Christ, not wokeism, and on God's grace for us. The There's an architect in Paris who talked with the Telegraph, and I'm super thankful for what he said. He told them what they're proposing to do to Notre Dame would never be done to the Westminster Abbey or St. Peter's in Rome. It's kind of a theme park, and it's very childish, given the grandeur of the place. And he is so right about that. And so I bring this up not because it's the most important of issues, but I a little bit want to take a play from the left's playbook and how they, on so many issues, on every single front, try and further their cause. And so when you hear this story, if you're talking about it with anyone in your life, you know, it's it's worth fighting for that. No, Notre Dame should not be renovated as this woke Disney revamp with the Discovery Trail. No, that's not what church is about, and it's worth, even if it's a Catholic church and you're not Catholic, I think it's important that we resist the left on every single front, on every single issue, and that is one reason that the left succeeds, is that with every single area of life, they are always constantly, 100% of the time, go, 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 pushing their own agenda, fighting for their own agenda, and so with something like this, we, most of the brightest audience in the country, we're in America, seems Notre Dame in Paris. It's like, oh, who, who cares about that? That doesn't affect me. But it does. The left, they're trying to destroy everything that looks like God, that resembles God. And if that's a Catholic church, they're coming after that. And we have to resist them on every single front. It is so crucially important and that we have to protect beauty and tradition on principle alone. In a sense, it's almost like broken glass policing. If you're unfamiliar with the broken glass policing idea, it's law enforcement will say, okay, what we've noticed is that people tend to push the line constantly and they always push the line just a little bit so if we draw the line in the sand way far back then when they push it a little bit and we're firm there then windows might be broken but then if we enforce criminals on that then they'll push that line of breaking windows and breaking glass but then these giant massive crimes won't happen and that's been proven to be tremendously effective is draw the line in the sand way far back and with the left destroying beauty, if we say, hey, no, you can't do this, you're not allowed to do this, We're going to, we are going to stand and resist you, and this, and this is where we draw the line, then terrible things in the future are less likely to happen because we, draw, because we drew the line at beauty. We didn't draw the line at what comes 10 miles after the attack on beauty. So we should stand firm, we should stand here, and we should draw the line right here and tell the left, you are not allowed to destroy beauty. We will fight for beauty and we will fight for tradition and you cannot stop us. And then they'll fight us and then they might actually destroy some beauty, but then we've drawn that line far back in the sand. And so when they push it, they are not doing as much damage. It's a, it's a good strategy to implement. And so we are almost out of time. It is our telethon month. Remember to help us out, go to kgov.com and click the telethon banner at the top of the site or click the 
sponsor a show button that helps us if you enjoy any of our content from kgov.com that is this show monday through wednesday theology thursday or real science radio on friday with fred williams if you enjoy our content and want to help us continue producing more please help us out that would be so appreciated yesterday i mentioned that there is a fun announcement i want to give i'm still not quite at liberty to say yet hopefully within the next few days or the next week stay tuned for that there's a lot of exciting news with our ministry and with a ministry we want to partner with that will be really really exciting i know with the bob and yart live brightest audience in the country we used to have i call them our glory days where we did a lot of stuff that was in the sign on the mountain era and now we are entering a newer generation in this ministry and i think that there are more glory days in the future and while those were the, you know, the good old days of the generation before me, I think we are about to enter my generation's, you know, the good old days. Except for they won't be old. They'll be new and they'll be fresh. And then when I'm like 80 years old, I can look back at them. So that'll be really exciting for us. I hope to see you tomorrow and then on Thursday for Theology Thursday and then on Friday for Real Science Radio with Fred Williams. Until then, this is Dominic Enyart for Bob Enyart Live reminding you to do right and risk the consequences. Yes.